You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fall in the first round of the NIT to the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, 75-63. to This is a game that started out poorly for the Hoosiers, as Indiana fell down 17-14 to early on, and it's a game that ended poorly for the Hoosiers, as a 12-4 to run to begin the second half was quickly replaced by runs of 9-7, 14-7, 7-3, and 7-5 for Georgia Tech to lead to that final score of 75-63, to a perfectly appropriate and ignominious end to the season for Indiana, uh, a season that had such high hopes and actually delivered on some of those, those high hopes early in the season, but just devolved into a comedy of errors and mistakes and just recurring awfulness uh, that here we sit one game into the NIT out and the season is over. I'm your host Jared Morris here with you on this episode of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show joined by Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We will be breaking down this game nominally. I mean we will touch on it and we'll mention a few things that happened in this game but you can rest assured that we'll be talking a lot of big picture stuff in this episode because there's certainly a lot to go around but we will start out tonight's episode as we always do with tonight's banner moment uh, our Hoosier proud banner moment Uh, and really we're going to start out this way uh, in part because we're contractually obligated to do so uh, but also because it is important to try and find the positives even when things are at their darkest Uh, and I have to tell you right now the greatest positive for me is that this season is over Uh, Because I can't imagine something that makes me feel like we're getting closer to the sixth banner than closing the book on this season, because this has felt about as far away from hanging another banner uh, as you could possibly imagine. Uh, I will actually pick out one moment from the game that I thought was encouraging for the future as you look forward. And that was what happened in the first half. You know, Indiana uh, weathered that early storm. It was 17 to four. And I thought what really brought Indiana back was when Tom Crean went to the bench and Devontae Green and Curtis Jones and Deron Davis and uh, Freddie McSwain and even Juwan Morgan, uh, you know, those guys and Juwan Morgan started. But those guys all brought a spark. And those are all guys that are, you know, expected to be back next year. Uh, And that, at the very least, was something positive as we look forward here to Indiana basketball uh, is those guys making some plays. They, They brought Indiana back and that settled the game down and prevented Indiana from just getting their doors blown off early. Uh, But obviously, all of that was erased by the really poor final 16 minutes for Indiana. Uh, So it is no real consolation. But if you're looking for a positive from this actual game, uh, that is one place if you're really stretching that you could find one. Uh, All right. Our banner moment, as always, brought to us by Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. 
And by the way, I just want to say uh, thank you to Connor for for trusting us at the assembly call, for believing in us uh, and doing this sponsorship all year. It was, uh, you know, uh, stepping out a little bit on a limb because we'd never sponsored the banner moment before. Uh, but I think it worked out really well. We're really happy to have them as partners. I know they've uh, gotten a lot of business uh, from uh, what we've said about them. And so we appreciate you supporting them as well. Uh, I think it worked out really well and we look forward to continuing the relationship with them. Uh, and the promo code is assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. You can check them out at hoosierproud.com. That promo code works on anything that you order. So our assembly call t-shirts, our zip hoodie, any of their really cool, unique Indiana designs, everything you get 15% off at hoosierproud.com, promo code assembly. All righty, let's make the extra pass, find the open man and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We will start with Andy Bottoms, your bottoms line on this season-ending loss for the Hoosiers brought to us by Bracketology.fm. Well, like you, I, I'm honestly just glad it's over. I think I don't know that I can ever remember a season that I've been more glad to see uh, just end. And uh, and I thank you for doing the Lord's work and trying to find a banner moment out of any and all of these games. As they've... By the way, I forgot about the shoot-around. That was the damn banner moment, and I forgot about it. Yeah, I totally missed. I Yeah, so uh, I guess for me, you know, a couple of things just to kind of, you know, share some thoughts over the course of everything that's gone on over, over the course of the week. I mean, clearly the decision to not play the game at home, where even if 15 people show up, you still have a competitive advantage to what you would have in going on the road. So you pass that up no matter what. So to me, that shows that winning the game was not really the objective uh, at this point. And so you got what you asked for. And you didn't win the game. The season is over. We got another game to hear about how these issues can be fixed in the offseason. Wasn't enough leadership. Not Tom Crane's fault. Shoot around was good. Uh, I forget what else you can fill the the bingo card with, with media narratives. But, um, you know, so here we are. He got what he asked for. And if you think that having this game devalues uh, Assembly Hall, then take a look in the mirror right now because that's what you are doing with the way that the program is this game tonight devalues assembly hall the way that this team played down the stretch devalues that so to me if you can't look at that and say we have issues and i'm just embarrassed to play this game then you probably shouldn't have accepted the bid in the first place and just moved on with the season and moved on with everything else because everything that's happened since then has basically been an admission of things aren't going in the right direction i don't want to show it to everybody but everybody knows anyway, so why even bother? Uh, it has been uh, just a, a ridiculous series of events, decisions, whatever you want to say. And uh, tonight, the culmination of that, the culmination of the same mistakes that we've seen all season that haven't gotten fixed, that apparently in game 34 on the year, it's too much to ask that you not have stupid turnovers time after time that lead to a huge amount of points off turnovers for the opponent, and ultimately you losing a game uh, against a team that is far less talented. But the good news is, according to Paul Biancardi, that if everybody comes back, IU, a team that finished 10th with the same personnel he's excited to come back, uh, is going to be a top two team in the Big Ten. So take solace in that, everyone. Uh, the shoot-arounds are going to be great. Second place in the Big Ten. Everything is fine. Boy, it is truly amazing some of the narratives that get pushed nationally about this program. Uh, all right, let's go over to Ryan for his rant, brought to us by TheBigLead.com. I just, I mean, I'm not even going to discuss the game. It was the same thing we've seen for weeks. Uh, I'm getting just inundated on Twitter with stuff about who I use next coach should be. Um, I, look, I think we can all agree. I think all three of us are in 
the camp saying that this should probably lead to a new era of IU basketball and there should be a, you know, a parting of the ways. And, and I, I can't think of a, of, you know, a more telling way to do that than to go on the road in the NIT when you get a home game and put up 63 points when the opponent who is not an offensive powerhouse is a relatively terrible team puts up 75 on you. It was the same thing we've seen all year. So I'm not even going to, going to delve into that. What I am going to say is, um, I think when you get guys coaching at the, at this high level and at this big a program uh, with this many responsibilities, et cetera, et cetera, um, most of these guys are wired differently. They're they're very high strung. They're very, um, you know, they live on coffee, soda, Red Bull, whatever. They're constantly going. They're recruiting. They're doing all this stuff. And, and if they don't have consistent success, you see them start to lose it a little bit. And, and it's almost like they grip it too tight and things start to slip through their fingers. Uh, last year, you saw Tom Crean relax a lot more um, you know, than usual, and people remarked on it. And, and it seemed like the pressure was off because I think he knew that if he didn't coach well, his job was over, and that was it. Um, and the team had wild, was wildly successful. I think this year... He entered the season saying, hey, give us time to find leadership. Um, he, he said that, you know, from the get-go. This team is it's going to take us a while to figure it out. And then I think this team beat Kansas and beat North Carolina and had that hype. And Crean felt like he had something. And, and he pushed really, really hard to try and get something. And by pushing that hard, I think he pushed this team over the edge. And the team willingly went over the edge. It didn't, you know, it, let's, let's face it. With leadership, you can sort stuff like that out. Um, but it didn't. And, and things did not work. And there was a disconnect on this team. And the environment around the team and around the program got toxic. And I think it was a case of a guy holding on way too tight and, and letting everything slip through his fingers as a result instead of just relaxing. You've seen some of these guys. You've seen this happen with other coaches. Roy Williams at, at Kansas was holding on way too tight. He had some great teams, and he could not get over the hump and win a national title. He went to he went to North Carolina. He was a really high strung, but he ran into a, a group that had Rashad McCants and Raymond Felton and Sean May, and they won a national title. And then they he was able to relax finally. He had his validation, and now you watch him. He's won another national title. He's not as high strung. He's not as crazy on the sidelines. I mean, you know, look at Tom Izzo. He's got his national championship. He's 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 validated. Every year he gets validated, it seems, in the tournament and things like that. So these guys of these high-level programs, these high-level coaches, have a unique personality, and too much of that personality can wear on people and burn people and can ruin what could have been a good season. And, and I think with Tom Crean, whereas last year should have been validation and should have given him the notice to relax a little more and maybe you know, not work guys so hard and not, you know, hold on so tight. It did the opposite once this team started to win early in the season. And, and I think that that really wore this team down and, and wore these players out emotionally and physically. And I think you saw it down the stretch. I mean, these guys just did not look like they liked basketball over the last few months. And, and that is what happens when somebody with this kind of personality at a high-level program and a guy who has the energy to hold that position goes overboard and, and 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 pushes it too far and this is the result is these kids fall apart and we've seen it too much and i think it's time for something else here at indiana
Well, and the issue is that it wasn't just this season. You know, that it would be different if, you know, this were just kind of a one season thing. And it's like, man, what an odd mix of players and everything just went wrong. And you had the injuries into it. I mean, this was just an unavoidable calamity. But yet we've seen this for three out of the past four years. And it darn near happened last year because basically the season started out exactly like this season was. That team just happened to have a guy like Yogi Ferrell and guys like Max and Troy and others who were talented enough and mature enough to help you know, pull them out. And what's interesting about your examples, you know, you mentioned Tom Izzo, you mentioned Roy Williams and how they eventually got over the hump. I think that is part of the issue that fans have is we have now suffer is too hard of a word, but we've had to sit through, you know, three seasons out of the last four where we've seen what the floor is with Tom Crean. We know what Tom Crean's floor is at Indiana. You're not going to come close to competing for the Big Ten. You're going to be a second or third level Big Ten team. You're probably not going to make the tournament because that's happened two out of the last four years. And so you know what the floor is. The problem is the ceiling isn't anywhere, hasn't proven to be anywhere near high enough to compensate for that. And that's the thing, you know, you mentioned Izzo and Roy Williams, those guys knocked on the door and knocked on the door and knocked on the door. So even when, you know, they may have been holding on a little bit too tight, they were winning conference titles and making final fours. And we just haven't seen that. And that's where, you know, the place that I'm at and that I think that you guys are at is that things have been good. Occasionally things have been really good. For brief moments, things have been exceptional with this program over the last six years. But on balance, it's been good. And for some of those good moments and for getting it there, Tom Crean should be commended. And I think we've been effusive in our praise and showing gratitude for him for what he's done over the past six years, past nine years total. But now it is, if we are truly going to hold this program to the standard of being great and to the standard of being a leader in the Big Ten and competing for national championships, how do we get to the next level of being great, of being exceptional? I think we have enough evidence that with the current leadership, that isn't going to happen. And I'm ready to see what's let behind me, door number two. That's, let me, that's let me what it boils down to. I want to step in real quick. I mean, you know, you mentioned Roy Williams and, and Tom Izzo. And, you know, it, look, before 2010, Coach K was doing the same thing. He was burning his players out. Uh, they, they wound up beating Butler in that national championship, and he's relaxed a little bit. You know, well, he's never really going to relax because he's a jerk. But um, sorry, I had to include that last last show of the season. Uh, but then you look at Bill Self was pushing too hard. He won a national title. Now it seems like he's relaxed a little bit. Um, you know, you isn't go, that ridiculous to be naming those guys? Like we're not in that conversation. No, with I agree. Coach what I'm team, saying, so. but what I'm saying is that type of coach. You know, those are guys who push the limit, push the limit, push the limit. And then when they get there and they finally get their win, Calipari's the same way. They finally get their win. They finally get their validation. They relax and then they do the best coaching job of their lives. You know, it, it, like what some of those guys did after winning the national championship and feeling the validation enough that they could relax and, and, and rely on the fact that, okay, I've done what I, I've done the pinnacle. Now I'm just going to coach. Now I'm just going to, I'm not going to worry about the noise. I'm not going to, you know, I'm safe now because I've won this national title. I'm safe for the next five to seven years. I don't have to worry about everything going on around me. And they relax, um, you know, and, 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 you know, it comes out in, in better coaching and that's what those guys do. And, and so that you've never gotten that with Tom Crean. He's always been this high, strong guy he relaxed a little bit last year because i think he found that that whatever was going to happen was inevitable he relaxed and what happened the team went 15 and 3 and won the big 10 title looked as good as they've looked under his direction even better than the cody zeller victor oladipo team that team last year looked better at times and then 
Well, he had elite year, talent that was smart, which is what he needs to be able to win. You're I mean, right. You're right. You're right. But he also didn't push guys over the edge, and he didn't ruin the team by overworking them. And then this year, it's almost like he never relaxed and never said, you know, what I'm doing isn't working. Clearly, we need to change it. It just kept being more of the same, more of the same, more of the same. And this team's run down. They don't want to play. I mean, you look at it tonight. They, by, by halfway through the second half, they did not want to play. Uh, they just didn't. They didn't care. And and, no. and that is an effect of a guy wearing you out. And I, if you ask the players, they may not know that's what it is consciously, but everybody on this program is worn out. Everybody attached to this program is worn out. Everybody in the athletic department is worn out. It, it's it's you Andy's can, worn out. He just left. Yeah, Andy's gone. Look at Andy's gone. Um, <laughs> you know, no, but you can only push people whether it's players, coaches, managers, whatever, so hard for so long before they burn out. Yeah. And 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 you may push hard and you may, you know, get some success, but until you just relax and accept that whatever happens is going to happen and just do your job, you're never going to exceed succeed to that next level. And, and I think that that's what happened to Tom Crean in this program. I'm sorry guys, I'm just yeah. And we're all I'm trying to make sense of it, right but, but and I think there, there's truth in what you say, and that's another reason why th this just needs to go in its separate ways, and it doesn't need to be angry. You know, it doesn't there doesn't need to be a lot of animosity. Now that may be inevitable the longer that it drags out, um, but that's why I think both the program, the coach, everybody just needs a fresh start. And you know, look, we don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully, something decisive happens soon because what this program really needs more than anything right now is leadership. You know, either from an athletic director, from the coach, from fans, from anybody who wants to provide it. This is a program. It's not just players. You know, we piled on the players all year for their lack of leadership. And certainly the narrative that the coach is pushing and that all the people in the national media are pushing is that this is a team that lacked leadership. And that is true. But it's a program that is lacking leadership right now. And until that changes, we're not going to see substant substantive changes on the court, I don't think. All right, real quick. Let's talk about SeatGeek. Uh, you all know that buying tickets online for sports and concerts or NIT games has been a confusing process for a long time, uh, in large part because you don't know where NIT games might be played because at the last second, a home game might be moved to the road, and then who knows where you're buying the ticket to. Wait, why would uh, that ever happen? Why I, would I that ever, it, seems, so it, it seems ridiculous, right? It seems ridiculous, but it can actually happen. Uh, but it's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites seem to want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. SeatGeek is the first place that I go to look for tickets to a game or concert because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make like life easier for sports and music fans. So if you can stomach going to NCAA tournament games when Indiana isn't part of the dance, I highly recommend that you go to SeatGeek to look for your tickets. And if you do that and you're an assembly call listener, which you are since you're listening right now, you get a $20 rebate off of your first SeatGeek purchase. The way that works is you download the SeatGeek app, you go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. All righty, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are uh, breaking down Indiana's 75-63 loss to Georgia Tech today. Uh, although, again, I don't know how much we'll actually get into the game. If you have any questions about the game, feel free to tweet them to us and put them in the chat. 
but we may be talking a lot more big picture stuff tonight. Uh, Andy, uh, I want to give you a chance to hop in here uh, and respond to the conversation that we were having earlier, uh, where Ryan clearly was saying that Tom Crean is the next uh, Coach K. That's what I took out of that. Oh, wow. I didn't. I, I had to drop for a second there. I must have missed more than I, I'm more kidding. Than I thought I did. I'm kidding. No, the, the one thing I will say to kind of go along with what at least where the conversation was when it, it kind of dropped out for me was, um, it, you know, I think it, it, there seems to be this belief that you can't want something more than what there is today and also be appreciative of what Crean has done to this point. Um, and it's just another one of those things to me that just doesn't make any sense. Like you can certainly appreciate what he's done and be respectful of what he's done and say it isn't good enough. And we haven't seen the progress that we wanted to, but I feel like everybody wants to tell you that that's not an okay opinion to have that. It's, it's not fair to have those, those kinds of thoughts, which I think is just ridiculous, quite honestly. And um, you know, so I think that's kind of where we're, coming from in large part in, in making some of the comments that it isn't a place of, you know, Tom Crean is a terrible basketball coach, should never coach again anywhere, those kinds of things, which I think is what people want to say, like, oh, you don't appreciate him. No, I think people do appreciate him. I think they want more. I think they also appreciate and understand what his are at this point. And I think we've seen those enough uh, to feel that it's reasonable to expect something else. So I, I guess that would be the only thing I'd, I'd add to what you guys talked about. Yeah. And that, again, you know, that flies in the face of these national media narratives that we continue to see, you know, Tom Crean needs to go to a place that he's appreciated and all of these different things. And it's really angered me more and more this year. You know, there's really two things that have angered me. One is the, the, the portion of our fan base that is mean spirited, that is rancorous, that will tweet and shout the most sophomoric mean things where there's just, there's no reason for that ever. Uh, and, and and we do see too much of that, but it's a small minority of the fan base, and you have those subsections of every fan base, and yet that seems to be taken as the majority of IU fans, which in my experience is not the case. Uh, hey, and, look, the loudest guy is always going to get the most attention. I mean, let's let's uh, so yeah, Lavar Ball proves that but exactly right. But who's making the mistake, him or the you know? I mean, well, you know what? If the other people don't speak up. You know what I mean? Like Lavar's mom's right, not Lavar's mom or, or Alonzo's mom is not saying, "Yeah, we don't really feel that way." You know, I mean, y- if you're a reasonable IU fan, speak up, say something, because yes, I, I, these other people are making our fan base look bad. You know, and, and look, I mean, you two were were at college when when I, Andy, were you still there when Bob Knight was fired? I was there. I know. I know. I, I, know I was there. I was there. He was still employed there when I when I left. I graduated okay. in two thousand. Stop so, making but, me feel old, though. Don't be a jerk. Oh, sorry. Uh, you know, <laughs> just trying to drop it there for you. Um, I, it was also seventy eight in California. If you want me to keep ticking you off today, it was. Yeah, no, uh, you, you sir can go. <laughs> but no, uh, Jared, you were there when Bob Knight was fired, and you were part of the people who went out and demonstrated and protested, and 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 I spoke on the steps of Assembly Hall. There you go. So I, you know. But that's the thing is that there are still those people and obviously you've grown and matured and you were a college kid. That was kind of fun. That's what you did. And you had different thoughts there, but you've grown and matured. Hey, a I lot of people doesn't wish he was dead though, to be fair. I mean, because he well, defended him. So no, you got right. for you. I'm allowed what, to live. Yeah. 
So here, here's what I'm going to say, though, is a lot of people have not moved on from that. A lot of people are still the angry, yelling people who whoever our coach is going to be, they're going to hate. And those are the loudest people. They're the ones who write into, you know, who write into newspapers and, and, and call into radio shows and do all that stuff. And those are the people you hear. So if you're you know, if you hate those people, and I agree, that's a very small percentage of the fan no, base. See, I, I don't think that's true. That's the that those are the people that 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 some people choose to hear because they think it makes for a more compelling retweet or story. The loudest people are people like us who have a post game show after every game and constantly put our opinions out there and try to be as balanced and fair as we possibly can be. And we've been criticized over the years for you know being too forgiving and you know and and too nice and all of these different things you know and we've finally come to to the conclusion this season that indiana needs more that it needs better all of those things that some people have been saying for three or four years to me that was too soon to say that but you know you can say whatever you want because maybe they've been proven right but that's what i'm saying is it's like that there are narratives and people pick and choose the evidence that they want to support that narrative and that's what ticks me off because, you know, who knows where those narratives are come coming from and if they're being cultivated by individuals to, to make them look better. Who knows? It, that, that, that kind of stuff is coming from somewhere. It's funny how you hear on all these broadcasts the same Indiana talking points over and over again, like Andy said, the bingo. And it just, you know, I, I, I've just gotten sick of it because the people who end up getting railroaded are the fans, just like the fans were the ones who ended up getting tacitly blamed for moving this NIT home game. Because that's why they didn't want to have it, right? Because, well, students aren't going to be there, so we're not going to have a big fan base. They never said it, but obviously they didn't want, you know, booing or potential anger or, you know, that kind of reaction, which I agree wouldn't have been a good one. But is that's part of being accountable is, you know, showing up in front of your fans for scheduled games uh, and, and not doing that, ducking that is just spineless. And it, it turns, it, it's an attempt to turn the responsibility outward onto someone else. And it ends up being on to the fans who, by the way, I don't think have gotten enough credit for helping to rebuild this program for the three years when it was down because Tom Crean did amazing work. His energy was incredible. And I think he is among the best reclamation project coaches that there is in the game. And that's why I think his next job goes someplace that has a good history that just needs some energy and a good coach, which he is. And I think he'll do great. But this notion that he saved Indiana basketball and rebuilt it he was there when it happened, and he was the leader of it. But guess what? There was a strong infrastructure in place, too, from the program, the financial resources, the fans, all of that. And that gets glossed over, too. And that's all I'm saying is I'm sick of it. And, you know, it's not like we've spent a whole lot of time talking about it over the last eight, nine years. But the longer that I continue to hear these narratives pushed, it's just ticking me off. And I think it's, again, it's a time for leadership, and it's a time for fighting back. And even if that's fans doing it, I think that's what needs to happen. Well, I think and Grant, it's it's interesting about the fans because I mean there seem to be a pretty healthy contingent of IU fans in Atlanta, and the premise there would be those are people who wouldn't normally be able to see IU games. Not an easy drive from there; couldn't really do it. I, I would argue you could say with students out of town and the largest student section leaving a large amount of seats open. You could easily make the same argument that there are a ton of people in town who wouldn't normally get to see this team. Uh, whatever the the belief was that apparently everyone leaves Bloomington when the students are on break, wh whatever you know circulated that thought process. Um, you know, 
to say that people wouldn't have been able to take advantage of a similar opportunity there and would not have seems silly to me. And and I I was actually like I said I was and I exchanged you know, a few tweets with somebody who was at the game and said you know this was a great opportunity that they wouldn't normally get to see him and we're glad they were there. You cannot tell me that there aren't people around Bloomington who would say the exact same thing because even with the ticket prices being what they are for the you know lower end non conference games of which there are many. You can't tell me that there wouldn't have been people there. And yeah, absolutely. People would have showed up who were pissed off and wanted to, you know, had an ax to grind. But, you know, again, I kind of go back to that's where you are right now. You can't run from what the reality is. Well, I, well, clearly you can, but yeah, no, they clearly know. did. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so. All right. So, yes, you can, but you shouldn't. I mean, look, if you're upset about those things and worried about those things, you should be because you're in a position that those things are legitimate concerns. Like that to me is the issue. It isn't fans. It isn't whatever, it, you know, changing where the game is played doesn't change the fact that you, the reasons that you think you couldn't play it at home. Um, and I think that to me is as telling as anything you, you can deny things by trying to run away from it. But the reality of the situation is you're an NIT team right now. You have people who are not happy with the direction of the program. You, you don't have to embrace it, but you certainly need to recognize it and not run from it, which I guess for me is what, what was aggravating the most is that you clearly ran from it. You sent a message to the team that winning was not the, the top priority because if winning was the top priority, then you would have had the game at Assembly Hall. There's without question. And so I don't know. Part why of the reason we're expect- not we're spending a lot of time ripping the players tonight, you know, or, or talking yeah, I about mean, that. Yeah. So what do you expect? I mean, that. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but I, I texted you guys yesterday. I was like, there, that IU loses this by at least 10 points. I mean, there's there's nothing that said to anybody, fans, players, anybody about the program, that winning this game was being treated as a priority. So congratulations. You got what you wanted. The season is over. You lost the game that you didn't want to play. And now we move on and figure out what to do. So there seemed to be a desire to expedite the end of the season, which, quite honestly, good. Um but now comes the hard part, and and that's really where Fred Glass has a decision that he needs to make. It needs to make it quickly. Um, one way or the other, we can agree or disagree with what that decision is, but uh, it cannot linger. This cannot linger into the next season. Uh, that, to me, is the absolute worst thing that could happen uh, at a point when things already feel pretty bad. Yeah, I want to say, actually, thank you, Fred Glass and, and Tom Cream, for deciding to have it on the road and making it more likely to lose because now the season's over and I don't have to deal with it anymore. Um, but that said, I, I, I agree with you, Andy. I, I think that, you know, whatever happens now has to happen soon. Uh, this is not something that can wait three weeks. I know the NCAA does not want you announcing coaching hires and fires during the NCAA tournament because it distracts and all this stuff. Forget that. I don't care. Piss the NCAA off. Do whatever you got to do end this, end the speculation, and then get somebody in here quickly. Uh, there are plenty, I'm sure as teams drop out of the NCAA tournament, there are guys you can interview. Uh, there's other guys outside uh, of the the tournament that you can talk to uh, who at least you can spend your time reaching out to and doing things like that. I'm sure there's been people back-channeling. Even if they weren't going to let Tom Crean go, they've been back-channeling people for a while, I think, because this has been coming for a while. Um, so I think that that you know, Fred Glass is going to show what kind of an athletic director he is. Is he just a feckless guy who, uh, you know, sort of, um, you know, goes with the flow and just doesn't really care about the legacy he's leaving. It doesn't care about what the program looks like, all that stuff. 
you know, or is he a real college athletic director? Is he a guy who's going to take it on himself to improve things when they're not going well? And, and we'll learn, learn a lot. And if he doesn't turn this around, then somebody from the and do something quickly, somebody from the board of trustees should step in and, and there should be changes. I mean, a, a wholesale changes of the athletic department if they can't get this right and they can't figure this out because it's gotten to the point where it's going to start hurting Indiana financially. And I don't care if you care about basketball or not. If the school is being hurt financially, that's where the line needs to be drawn. Um, that shouldn't be everything, but you know, if it gets to that point where donors are backing out, where they're not able to fill those booster spots, where people who are a long time, you know, dedicated to the to the athletic department for a long time, are starting to back out and back away, that's a big deal. And, and you just had Assembly Hall renovated you've had cook hall built you've had you know whatever else is going on there you have a new deal with adidas things like you know recent deal with adidas i'll say um you know you can't do all of that and, and put a subpar product on the court and have a subpar program you just can't especially when you have the resources that indiana has so if fred glass doesn't get this turned around he's gone and he should be gone and he deserves to be gone um because he is the guy in charge and it's it's his decision right now and, and he needs to make it and make it fast and make some changes yeah and if it look i guess the question here that i think fred glass needs to answer and that even indiana fans need to answer that all of us need to answer is do we aspire to be a program like kansas or north carolina or duke or any of the other blue blood programs that we often describe ourselves as being right blue blood indiana do we really aspire to be that is it all talk is it all memory or is it an actual aspiration a, a really living breathing aspiration a standard that we want to hold and if your answer to that is yes then just ask yourself if the last four years would be acceptable there because yes, you have the outright Big Ten title. You made a Sweet 16, and that was really nice. That was a really fun two months. There is no question about it. But would the totality of the last four years, and you can even add that six years, would the totality of that be good enough at those programs? And I think it's quite clear that the answer is no. And so if that's the case, then if you're not willing to make the uncomfortable decision that a program like that most likely would make, then you're not really serious about being that. And if the majority of people and if the administration, if everybody wants that to be the future of IU basketball, fine. But let's state it and, and move that way and at least let everybody know what the expectation is, because the big problem has been this mismatch of expectations. And that's what leads to the letdowns. And that's what leads to the frustrations, because the big problem is we all know the program is capable of more. So we need to start acting like it. So I agree with you, Ryan, and a decision needs to be made. Uh, and it needs to be made soon so that we can actually start moving forward. Now, I'm seeing some stuff. Andy, you mentioned this in our chat, seeing some comments that are kind of indicative of, I think, why we're in the situation that we're in this season. We're going to get to those next as we move forward here on the assembly call. Uh, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you why you should activate your free assembly call membership now as we enter the off season. Uh, it's quick and easy. As you know, go to assemblycall.com slash join. It'll take you about 15 seconds. Uh, and it's how you get our best content. So by joining, you'll get our Six Banner Saturday IU Hoops News Roundup. And that's a great way to stay in touch with what's going on with IU during the offseason. We round up the most important stories of the week, send them to you via email. It's shaping up to be a busy offseason, so you're certainly going to want to get that. And then it's also how you connect with us in the Assembly Call community. The live chat is going crazy right now at assemblycall.com slash live, which is awesome to see. And only members can access that. It's moderated uh, along with our discussion forum as well. So if you like what you hear on the Assembly Call, 
Becoming a, a member is the next logical step. So join us for free at assemblycall.com slash join. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. There was a game tonight, even though we're not talking much about it. Indiana lost in the first round of the NIT, 75-63 to Georgia Tech. Um, But we're talking big picture stuff here right now. And Andy, um, do you want to get into some of these comments? Because again, I don't like focusing too much on post-game comments, but some of these are so indicative of the stuff that we heard all year that really tick people off that I think it's worth at least mentioning. I think we should go over them, and then I think we should forget they ever happened because I'm looking at some of them, and it'll just drive us insane. I know, but yeah, Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, so so here they are. They're not really in any order. They're more in the order in which I, you know, kind of found them on Twitter. So, uh, Kareem mentioned the two Big Ten titles in four years in his post-game interview. Great. Uh, when we were healthy, there were so many good things this team did. I can think of two. Uh, tonight was t- kind of a tale of the season. Absolutely, wholeheartedly would agree with that, as would anybody. Um, Kareem asked by Don Fisher how to get a, a player to step into the off-discussed leadership role. Kareem, recruit. Interesting, given the fact that you recruited the people who are on the team. Uh Kareen, we had a leader. He was tremendous. Colin got hurt before the season started because you can only have one leader. And the program is in great shape. Team needs to get better. Uh, I, for those listening, I just want to let Andy's adding his own commentary to some yeah, of the, the, the fire uh, Joe Morgan commentary from Andy here is well reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's kind of, it was kind of confusing there because it seemed like Kareen was double talking his tweets. So that was Andy adding his own commentary. Just yeah. to, to let any it, of the parts that seem extra smart. So the, anything that doesn't seem like a blatant excuse or attempt to cover up the disappointment of the season was something that I said. How about that? Maybe we just, you know, we go that way to, to figure things out. And apparently, Josh Pastner, Coach Kareen is an offensive genius. They're exceptional in offense, to which Crimson Cast said we scored 0.89 points per possession tonight. So, you know. Those, those well, are the ones I, mean, I saw. There may have been Pastor's going to talk started. him up. If Crean's an offensive genius, Pastor looks like a defensive guru right now. So, yeah, I, I can see him talking to him. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, look, I just, I think that, I really think one of the big issues that people had with this season was the constant parade. There were two things. Number one was the constant parade of excuses, right? Like, look, we are all smart fans. We recognize that losing Colin Hartman before the season hurts. Like, Indiana fans love Colin Hartman, right? Any fan base would love Colin Hartman. We There's a hashtag, Colin Hartman things. We recognize the leadership he provides, both by example and vocally. We all knew that was going to be a problem. I mean, raise your hand if when analyzing this team before the season, you said, hey, leadership's going to be an issue. I don't know how this team's going to handle, you know, road games and Big Ten play. We all did. We recognized that was a potential weakness. You know, Crean mentioned it before the season, right? Losing OG Ananobi, that really hurt. He's the best two-way player on the team. There's no question about it. The problem is you never stopped hearing about it. It was constantly the excuse for everything. And it was like it rendered everything after the OG injury meaningless. It's like, well, what do you, you know, what can we do? I mean, we have all these injuries. There's nothing we can really do about it. And so to continue to hear that, like at some point you've got to move forward because if that's the message being constantly delivered to the media, I mean, number one, players hear that stuff. And number two, do we really think the message being delivered in the locker room is a whole lot different? I can't imagine so because you heard players even say the same thing. So that was one. And the other thing was the rudderlessness and the inability to fix recurring problems. And that is where, look, again, 
you know, you, you, you always, it, it feels like you want to mention, look, we get, you know, you won two Big Ten titles, you've been to three Sweet 16s, and those things were great, but why couldn't we fix the turnover issue? Why has this been an issue every year? You know, why does it feel like things have to align perfectly in terms of roster and schedule makeup and, you know, the way things go during a season and health and everything for the team to just have a good season? Right. It's like the littlest thing goes wrong in 2014, 2015 and this year and the bottom just falls out. Why isn't there a higher floor? And it's because the rudder at the top isn't strong enough. The leadership at the top isn't strong enough. And that's the other problem is the, the constant calls for leadership from the team. Well, guess what? If there's no leadership on the team, who has to lead the coach? And if the coach doesn't, then it falls on him. And I just feel like there was a constant either direct or passive aggressive passing of the buck from the coaching staff that I didn't appreciate uh, this year. And I think that's what frustrated a lot of IU fans because it doesn't give you confidence in a recognition of the issues that need to be fixed and an ability or willingness to have the humility and self-awareness to actually fix them. And that's where that stuff falls on deaf ears for a lot of IU fans and really erodes the confidence moving forward. Let me, let me just jump in real quick and say this, you know, about the injuries. These injuries didn't happen two weeks ago. They happened months ago. I mean, this team had a chance to develop and, and to get better. There was time. I mean, you know, and I mean, I, I get it. Injuries are, are, are something you cannot plan for and something that happens. But that's why you recruit depth. That's why you cultivate leadership from multiple players so that if one guy goes down, I mean, look, if Yogi Ferrell went down last year, Indiana wouldn't have been as good, but they would have had guys to roll with, you know, and 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 guys would have stepped up and somebody would have played this way and done that and and, and figured it out. This team didn't do that. And, and that's on the coaches and it's on the internal leadership structure of the team. Um, Jared's wondering, I, I was going to give him crap for saying, uh, rudderlessness which is like a complete made up <laughs> word uh anyway you couldn't i just let that fly could you you no, couldn't could not let, let that fly uh but no i i think it's it, it, this team had time to to get the issues fixed and in the wake of an injury it's okay you usually have a bounce up game where guys play well and then they come back down to earth and they're like okay yeah now we got to actually figure it out without this guy and that happened with the michigan state game um and then that they won at home, which was a big win for this team. It looked like a turning point. Then it wasn't. And, and, and then, you know, since then, they've had weeks to figure this out with OG and Anobi. You got Juwan Morgan there filling his role. I mean, you've got other guys who can yeah. do some stuff. You, and losing you, OG it probably means that you're not going to make a Final Four. And guess what? People would have understand. You know, you yeah, take this, this injured absolutely. squad to a Sweet 16. It's like, okay, like that, you, you shift that a little bit. You realize that without one of your best players, maybe you're not a national championship contender. Maybe you won't win the Big Ten. But to have the bottom drop out, I mean, come on. That's yeah. no, that was unnecessary. And let's, and let's not pretend that this was a great team before he went down, and that just oh well, that was it. Right. This was struggling this, already. This is a team that was struggling already, and, and that that stumbled through the beginning of Big Ten play, lost arguably their best two way player, arguably the best all around player if you're taking defense into account, and you know continued to sink and struggle. It, it wasn't there was no shift there one way or the other and you know they started the season off gangbusters without Colin Hartman. Yeah, they missed him. Of course they did. You know, I don't think they lose that Fort Wayne game with Colin Hartman in there to calm things down and and get things organized. But that's not why they struggled. 
they struggled because nobody stepped up. And, and that's, again, on the coaches, on the internal structure of the team, and it's on the fact that the program is a mess right now. It just is. And so it's just time for something new. And I think that we've made that point about a thousand times so far in the show. We're going to keep making it until something happens because it, it's just not something uh, that can continue like this. It's unsustainable. Well, the funny thing is, just just an example from another program. I know we used Arizona early in the year of the. Here's a team that had a bunch of personnel issues, think people that they didn't have that they thought they would that they they persevered with. And the time thing that Ryan mentioned, you know, brought up another example from the past handful of days. You know, Oregon loses Chris Boucher, who's their third leading scorer, second leading rebounder, leading block shot guy. Uh, in less than 24 hours, they in within finding that out, they turn around and have to play the Pac-12 championship. They take an Arizona team that people think could get to a Final Four may win a national championship and lose by three points, you know, and, and maybe part of that is that initial bump that Ryan, uh, mentioned, but, but again, deal with it. it. It's not, you know, you've seen teams, you know, this is one example of one team that turned around quicker and did something about it and didn't make excuses and made a, a heck of a game out of it in the PAC 12 championship game with a lot on the line. And you've had an entire, you have 34 games without Colin Hartman, 34 games. And and we still bring it up. It sucks for Colin Hartman. And at a certain point, it sucks to have for him to have it keep being brought up. Like it's obviously not his fault, nor do I think that Kareen is trying to place blame on it. But like I, I'm on some level, like, how does that make him feel? Like, oh well, this could have been different if you were there. Maybe that's taking it to the extreme, but it's like everybody knows that it stinks to have lost him. It's 34 games. If you haven't figured out how to play without a guy in 34 games, then I'm not sure. I'm not sure that that's a valid excuse anymore about anything other than your ability to make adjustments. By the way, it should be fair to note, given what I said earlier, uh, comment from Queen. We've, Queen, we've got to get better. It starts with me. The examination of what has to get better, and let's roll. So you know, some uh, voicing of of taking responsibility. That's also an interesting comment. I mean, he is. You know, you you read some of these. You know, talking about next year, no matter what's on the contract, I'm going to coach the same way, whether it's one year or ten. It's almost like he's going out of his way to make it clear that he will be the coach at Indiana next year, uh, and whether that is because that has already been agreed upon and he knows it, whether that is passively aggressively making that stand so that the AD really has to you know come out and say something. I have no idea. Uh, you know, I suppose any scenario under the sun could be possible because we don't know. Um, but it does seem interesting that he's so strongly stating that uh, in the post-game press conference um, when clearly so much is up in the air uh, and clearly so much stuff is going on behind the scenes. Um, so I just found that to be kind of interesting. Uh, well, I, th- I mean, look, I don't think he's ever going to say, well, I don't know if I'm going to be back. I mean, every coach says that. I, again, we, you know, it's hard to analyze these things. Uh, you know, he's saying he's already planning. He's got plans for what he's going to do in the off, like to do with the team in the offseason and all this stuff. I mean, you know that stuff has worked out months in advance, so you know let, let's let's not look too uh, in, until Fred Glass says something, a decision hasn't been made, and I think that's fair because I think if Fred Glass had decided to bring Tom Cream back, and we talked about this earlier today uh, in an email chain we had going, if Fred Glass had decided to bring Tom Cream back, he would have come out a week ago, two weeks ago, and said, oh, no, he'll be back because it stabilizes things in the program. It may stabilize them negatively, but having the status up in the air, if you're going to bring him back, there, there's no point to that. So uh, athletic directors will come out and you know, say, this is my guy before the season's over because now 
you don't get what we're doing right here, which is speculating. And, and speculation hurts the program. It does. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's a message to recruits, too, you know, who are thinking. Yeah, about exactly. Who, if they like green, they're staying at the players, some of the players, whatever. Um, but See, what but, I, and this is the problem. This is why something needs to be said. And we need leadership because it's true. Like these discussions just go off on tangents. Well, and that's that why we probably shouldn't. And we may be even being irresponsible to a certain extent. And we've never done that. But it's what do you want? This, this I, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, we're and just no, trying to make sense of it. You know, what I was going to say program. Yes, yeah, sir. What I, what I was going to say is that that's why we're saying a decision has to be made quickly because it's not just that we don't want to do six more of these shows where we're just, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's fun for the first time, but after like three, I mean, you know, just throwing out random names for the new head coach. Uh, but no, I think that, uh, it's got to be done quickly to stabilize the program, send a message to the players, the recruits, the boosters, the, you know, everybody involved that, okay, this is what we're doing. There is a plan. Um, and, and, you know, maybe send a message to the, the people who were, who were thinking about maybe going pro or thinking about coming back or whatever. You've got to stabilize things and, and you can't just leave them hanging there. So uh, I know there were some people saying, well, why don't they wait till July 1st and the buyout's only a million dollars. That's not even an option. Don't worry about that. They, this is going to happen. And it's going to happen soon, uh, unless Glass is just completely incompetent, in which case he should be fired too. I, right. I think I, you know two two quick, maybe three quick things. Uh, one, um, Fred Glass was there and saw the shoot around, so that probably is important. Oh man. Uh, two. Uh, Never mind. He's coming back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. It was apparently yeah. a hell of a shoot around, as they all are, because the preparation's been great this year. Like, let's make that clear. Preparation Absol has been great. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, second thing I would say, uh, in a slightly less snarky way, is, um, you know, I think the way that they have handled the past week is inviting this kind of speculation. Uh, you know, not having the game at Assembly Hall, not really commenting on much of anything and all the things that that go along with it and the way this this week has been handled would suggest you know i think you know crimson cash just tweeted this out you know it's going to be kind of a pr nightmare like, we're already there um because of the way things have been handled and i know that glass said on on kent Sterling's show that it was kind of a you know no a, a lose lose scenario i, I uh, to a certain extent yes but i don't think it had to be um, but I think there's it's, losing it's, by two and there's losing by 40. Yeah. yeah I, thought I, mean? the, I thought your analogy of that today was, was a good one. And so, yeah, I mean that, you know, to me, I, that, that's what I would say is that you, you had a chance to make the best of what was never going to be a good situation and you didn't do it. And now you've made it worse. Um, in some ways could have contributed to the performance we saw tonight, which just throws more gasoline on the fire. I mean, the assembly call has gone negative. Like this was the safe haven. You know, I can't. There have been so many people who have actually tweeted me that this year. Like, man, you guys are going negative. Oh, man. Well, we gave him time. You know, that was the thing is you got to remember that in right. in, in his fourth year, which is when this the show started. Were we four, yeah, fourth year. 2011, was, 2012. Yeah. yeah. His you guys left me year. hanging for the IU Kentucky game. Did it all by myself. I know. I know. I was in a, I was in a hotel in Chicago with a young lady. Um, Can we take a moment wow. to just remember wow. that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Assembly call after I didn't hours. Say what we were doing. I didn't say what we were doing. I was in the. I watched the game. What? Sort of. Can, can we have a moment of silence for that? For the that uh, Kentucky game. Just to remember. Just to pause and reflect on better times. Yeah. Let's stop now. Right, go um, ahead. So, in, yeah. Unless you're watching the replay, it's not worth it. Not worth it. Um. So I. Uh, I don't know. I. I, I think that. So we started the show in the fourth season, 
And in the fourth season was a success and kind of in, I wouldn't say out of nowhere success, but people were surprised how well that team played. Fifth season, we had a Big Ten title and we're number one for most of the year, lost in a tough matchup with Syracuse. Okay. Then you had, so that was two years of, and also before that, those three years prior, maybe by the, by the second half of the third year, you can start judging Crean as a coach. But before that, you really can't because, look, that rebuilding effort was ridiculous. He was how many walk-ons was he playing the first season and second season? You know, I mean, so let's just say it started halfway through the third year. If it starts halfway through the third year, fourth year, fifth year, both good seasons, and then the next two were terrible. So you're two for two. I get two and two in, in good seasons. Last year was great. Then you had another bad year this year. The problem isn't that you've had three good seasons and three bad seasons in those six. It's that there's no consistency and there's no consistent success. That's the issue. It's not the results one year, not the results a second year. It's the lack of consistency in and in, in top end excellence. You can deal with you know a messed up year if you're getting that top end excellence, and we've talked about that at length on the radio show, I believe. Um, so I, I just you know it, it's one of those things where uh, you just it's it's for the length of time we've been doing this show, they've had three successful years and three head scratchingly awful years. So yeah, of course we were going to be, you know, let's give them a chance. Let's give them a chance. Let's give them a chance. And we were kind of on the edge heading into last season. We were all kind of on the edge and they won a big 10 title. Then this year came around and we're all flipping to the other side, you know, and it's, um, well, Andy was probably on the other side long before either one of us, but you know, I don't know. I think this year I was the first one to jump. Uh, yeah, that's that's fair. But I yeah, I, I was definitely in the in a few years ago. I was I was definitely the one of us that was far more in that in that camp. So welcome to the party, gentlemen. Can you guys hear me? My audio still coming through? Yeah, your video is not working. So those in the okay. feed do not get to see your face. Totally you look fine. super no. pensive though, the way it froze. So <laughs> I know. You really whatever you're gonna say is super thoughtful. So that's a positive. That that is true. Okay, so Andy, I actually want to ask you a question and I want to use an example from tonight's game this is a post-game show i figure we should mention the game at least a little bit plus i took the over on the seven minutes that we would talk about the game um but like you know another one of the issues is the constant talk about leadership right and the constant talk about you know all these things that need to improve and yet the actions not matching it specifically playing time right one of the most important uh, you know, cards that a coach can play to try and get his team to play the way that he wants them to. Look at tonight. Do you know who played the most minutes tonight, Andy, out of anybody? Oh, I, I would guess. Oh, no, I would have guessed. I, I'm looking. So now I'm, uh, it's, I would have guessed Blackman, but it was Robert Johnson. It was Robert Johnson. And Robert has had some good games over the past month and some really bad games. And tonight was one of the really bad games. Two points, two assists. He was one of eight, 0 for 5 from three. He's had this weirdly itchy trigger finger where he's taken all these early threes. I'm not quite sure what's going on there. But, you know, this is part of the issue is, you know, he, he calls out the junior guards for not playing, and yet playing time never really adjusts. And so there's words, but there aren't actual actions to try and carry those words out or lend them any accountability. Uh, and I think that's another problem that fans have that, that we don't want to see anymore. Because it just doesn't make sense, and if and and if if the if the the message is so mixed between words and actions to us just watching, imagine what the players have to be thinking. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would have. I, the reason I would have guessed Blackman is that early in the game, you know, I tweeted something. I mean, just let a guy go right by the baseline. It made essentially no effort to cut off the drive whatsoever. And it's like, I, I guess it's one of those where it's easy for me to sit there and say like, oh, send a message now. And any and multiple people came back and was like, well, if you haven't done it all year, why are you going to start doing it now? Fair point. Not going to argue. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to sit there and call guys out for not playing well and not reward, um, you know, guys like, you know, Devontae Green, I thought he played well down the stretch. He played nine minutes in this game. Now he didn't score. Okay, fine. Um, but I thought he had at least, you know, earned minutes to, um, you know, again, use this game to like see what you might have going forward. Because again, winning, not the priority that was made clear um, by other things. So what what exactly is is going on? And and yeah, I mean, I thought the same thing. You know, Blackman played a lot, you know, had, you know, very little effort defensively, um, which I know some people will say as, as usual, but just, you know, letting guys drive right by him. Like, I'm sorry, but if you allow that to happen and other guys see it like there's there's no consequence to whatever other than words and words without action are as hollow as can be and i think you saw that over the stretch run of the season where those guys got called out and most of them started the game after that. i think johnson was the one who in the game immediately following that you know rant about the junior guards was the one that didn't start but it's like well don't start any of them or or call out specifically who you're talking about because uh, certainly everybody left it to believe it was a, a, you know, a group thing. And then, you know, one of them doesn't start the other guys just play normal minutes. Uh, it, yeah. The accountability or lack thereof is, you know, another, another point in the season, but now it's, Oh, we need to go recruit more. And this team just didn't have leaders because guys got hurt and things like that. So not, uh, not anybody's fault for not holding them accountable all on the players. Guys, can I, can I be honest about something? I'm tired. <laughs> and, and I'm not talking physically. I'm not saying I need to go to bed. It's only nine it, o'clock there. You quiet down. It's midnight. Yeah, now. it's you know it's close. It's close to time for me to go night night. But um, <laughs> no, I I it just I'm t- I'm worn out by all this. I mean, it's exhausting, you know. And it's ex- I can't imagine what it's like for the people who are in Bloomington, in the athletic director's office, to, you know, connected to the basketball team. Any of that? So I can't imagine what they're going through. It's exhausting to deal with this team, to deal with this program. I mean, I, it's taking years off my life. I can feel it. Like, they're just leaving my body. Years of life are leaving my body. Um, so, I, you know, I, I feel for the people who are involved in this uh, closely. Uh, this has got to be terrible. I mean, you know, as we've said for most of the year, you know, a lot of these kids are really good kids. The players, they're just... Uh, you know, they needed somebody with an alpha dog mentality, and I don't think they had that on the team. They didn't have somebody who could take over and sort of get everybody straight uh, and, and in line. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel bad for them. I feel bad for the assistants. I feel bad for the team managers. I feel bad for everybody in the athletic director's office who has to deal with this and deal with fans complaining and all of that stuff. Because if it's tiring for us, and we're doing this a couple times a week, you know, I can't imagine what it's like for the people dealing with it every single day and dealing with the emails and dealing with everything. I mean, I, I, I honestly was surprised when we were there in January. I, I know it was early in the season, but there have been some struggles and some signs that there was a problem. Um, and, and I was surprised how um, we were more doomsday than the people who were actually there. And and now I think that switch is flipped, and and they're all just 
you know, right there with us. I, I think that it's it's a university wide problem. It's a fan base wide problem now. Andy, I mean, am I am I crazy or did you feel like when we were there that it was kind of like everybody was sort of like, nah, they'll get it together? You know, it, I I think I mean, I don't know. It was it was definitely weird. That that game definitely felt extremely important. It it felt as though if they weren't able to win that game, then things were really going to go off the rails. But they I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. It was, there was and, an apprehensive feeling going in, but it wasn't doomsday. Yeah, but the, but the interesting thing about that game was that they had moments at the beginning where they got up and Illinois didn't even score for a while. But then Illinois scored a bunch of points in the second half. And there was still the turnover issues and the defensive issues. And and even by the end of that, it was like, well, it was great to get a win, but you sat back and looked at, I think defensively in that game, the, the points per possession numbers were just insane, but IU scored a lot as well. Yeah. And so it kind of became... was basically the, they dominated the first half and then Illinois they just kind of yeah. held on basically. Yeah, basically they held on and they won it by like I don't know, I don't remember how many, but it was it was a solid win it felt like, but Illinois definitely got back into the game late. I mean, you know, out of nowhere yeah. kind of. Yeah, and even that, you, you know, then they go on the road to Maryland and and that was really that stretch overall where, you know, they lost the game at Maryland where they played pretty well, gave up some, you know, open threes down the stretch and It was a good game. I mean, also um, it was a good game. Yeah, they played well, and that was a time when you know Maryland was really, really hot and doing well, and they lose that game by three, and then they go on to, you know, again the Penn State game on the road was a, a near disaster that was kind of salvaged. But even at that point, it was, you know, they'd won four out of five, and it was you started to think maybe they had turned things around. Um, they seemed to have rallied in that Michigan State game with you know with Blackman out, and then was the Michigan game where they just got their doors blown off, and really everything for the next. Uh, really, for the remainder of the season, quite honestly, maybe until that Ohio State game was um, far more, you know, disaster than success. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was odd. But I guess that, in some ways, that makes the point that we're all, you know, kind of driving home, probably beating a dead horse at this point. That nothing feels sustainable uh, as you move forward, in the sense that, um, you know, they were able to, you know, start off the year poorly gain some momentum, give it all back, and then some. Uh, and then even with the Iowa game, it was like, oh, maybe. And then Wisconsin game, nope, nope not so much. And, and and then the the outcome of this game was uh, all too predictable, quite honestly, no matter what any line or Ken Palm no. projections or anything else suggested. It, you know, As soon as the game wasn't going to be in Bloomington, quite honestly, maybe even if it was. I mean, a couple of the other teams in the NIT, you know, Cal is getting their doors blown off right now, although they're playing without one of their best players. Utah lost a home game in the NIT um, a, a little bit ago. Wait, but, they were the higher seed and they played a home game? Yeah, crazy. Crazy. Weird. How does that um, work? So, yeah. So, I, you know, I, it, it was just, but I think this season is, you know, this game was a microcosm of the season and this season was a microcosm of the Tom Crean era. I guess it's probably the, you know, maybe the best way to say it where you had some some moments that, as Jared said, were exceptional. There were times that were great. I mean, that North Carolina game um, was was the best this team played on defense probably all year um, and, and showed what they could be. But the injuries are not the only thing that led to this team getting that. And we've, you know, kind of driven that point home uh, at, at this point. But, um to touch on quickly is is kind of the the fred glass you know component of this um because you know you kind of alluded to this a minute ago that you know if he's not going to make this decision maybe it's him that needs to go i I guess maybe elaborate a little bit more on i guess your thoughts on his role in in the last week or so and how things have played out and and kind of his his role in this situation going forward and, and how he needs to handle it 
For me or Jared? Because no, I... Well, no, guys, sorry. My, my computer is injured, uh, and my Google Hangout window is showing a real lack of leadership. Oh, sure. Blame so the injuries. Yeah, you can't expect any an improvement from me for the rest yeah, of the show. It's, uh, it's, it's probably been great all day, though, before the show actually started. So. No, dude, the preparation was phenomenal. Like, the, 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 the sh whatever, yeah, the, the run-through that I did earlier, audio was perfect. Excellent, Everything excellent. All right, well, I'll, I'll let you answer that then. So where, where do you think kind of, I think there's, it seems to be there's a, at least a handful of people starting to turn in addition to you know kind of making comments about cream but also kind of turn on glass in this scenario where do you where do you come down on that uh, that part of things i mean look i think fred glass has done a lot of good things and i'm actually shocked at my disappointment level and the just visceral lack of confidence that i feel right now because i, I think that what happened with this nit decision was such a massive dropping of the ball i mean i just I, I, it's it's unconscionable to me that a decision like that was made. So whoever actually made the decision, you know, the buck for that decision stops at Fred Glass, and he's been the one, you know, out in front defending it and giving us this reasoning, which did not make sense. And I'm sorry, but the comment about devaluing Simon Scott Assembly Hall by playing an NIT game there on spring break when we all know what your non-conference schedule was, it just... I. I to me, the decision showed a lack of leadership. The communication was tone deaf. And, and that's why I think the biggest problem that the program has right now is leadership. And someone has to show it. And so I think that, you know, I'm, I'm not saying go fire Fred Glass right now. I mean, I think he's earned the right to make the next decision. But he's got to make the next decision. And if he's not willing to, then you have to start talking about that. And it's a really important decision. And it's going to chart the future of the basketball program for the foreseeable future. And so the leadership has to start with him. And if he, you know, of all the things that he says, and look, the reason why we love Fred Glass is because he grew up an IU fan. Like you feel like, you know, when he talks and when you talk to him, like you're talking to someone who, you know, has you know, the intelligence and the experience to make these decisions, but also does it from a, a perspective of really understanding what makes IU basketball special. Well, we're going to find that out now because, you know, over these, you know, we've, we're seeing apathy sit in. We're seeing a program that for four years now isn't living up to the standard we all think it should and that the resources suggest that it should. So what are we going to do? Are we going to accept that and be okay being mediocre and go with the status quo, even though it's proven that it can't get to the next level? You know, or are we going to make maybe an uncomfortable decision, but a necessary one and take a chance to be great? And that's what I want to see the program do is take a chance to be great because I don't think we've done that up until now. That's what I think needs to happen. That answers the question pretty well, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much right there with you. I think that Fred Glass, if, if he doesn't make a move because he thinks it's going to be uncomfortable, uh that's you know he it's needs to leadership. go he needs to go yeah he's nothing more than at that point he's nothing more than a fundraiser you got to make tough decisions when you're athletic director you've got to do difficult things it's part of the job and he signed up for that job you know no, nobody put a gun to his head and made him become the athletic director at indiana and eventually he was going to have to make a decision related to the basketball program every athletic director at indiana is going to have to have one of those moments and and you know, at other at other programs, Alabama, it's the football program. At Duke, it's the basketball program. At wherever, you know, Purdue, it's none of them because they're really not that good. Uh, but you know, when you go to a shots in on everybody, come on, hey, it's the last Wisconsin Cole Center. Let's go. Let's hear it. Hot sport opinion on the Cole Center. 
Uh, no. I'm One not. more, just for old Don't times' sake. Don't typecast me. Do not typecast me. Um, Ryan was the only person who thought Wisconsin seed was appropriate. I think when the committee came out, <laughs> completely appropriate. These guys um, got just what they deserve. Those jerks. Well, they play more than half their games on the campus of Hogwarts, where fouls do not magically do not exist. So clearly, they have to be downgraded for that, guys. Um, no, I look. I, I just think. At this point, you know, if you're the athletic director at Indiana, you got to make hard choices when it comes to basketball. You just do. That's your job. Um, whether it's you know occasionally booting a, a talented player off the team, and and whether it's you know uh, helping, you know get you know get the get the uh, renovations done, get a new practice, whatever. You're going to have to do hard things, and this is a difficult choice because i'm sure fred glass is close with with tom crane they've been you know paired up together for a long time but this is it it has to be it and if fred can't make that decision and can't make that call then he doesn't belong as the athletic director at indiana he just doesn't i mean and also also he made the call to fire kevin wilson which had to be difficult and and which had to be an uncomfortable thing to do with his reasoning for doing it um you know it was uh, a player safety issue, whatever, but that was out of nowhere. And that was a quick trigger and, and the right decision in my opinion, but he made that decision. If he can do that, he can do this. And if he doesn't, then yeah, there's a problem. Uh, so as we move here toward the final segment of the 2016, 17 season, uh, do want to just say thank you to yogis who has been sponsoring our last call actually, since we were up in Bloomington for the Illinois game, uh, which was, hey, that was a fun experience. That was one of the last real kind of fun, joyful experiences of the season where it still felt like the team kind of had a ceiling they could get to. Uh, but we appreciate uh, the support from Yogi's. They've been showing the show live. Hopefully you all have gone there uh, and taken advantage of the 10% discount on food during games. Obviously, there are no more Indiana games, so we can't do that. Uh, but we'll certainly be talking with them about uh, doing more work in the future. Uh, but hey, like I've told you, Yogi's was my favorite bar when I was a student at Indiana. It's the one I went to the most, so I will always recommend them. And we will be up there next year when we head to Bloomington for our annual meetup. So for one last time this season, coming up next, last call brought to us by Yogi's. And we'll be right back. Stick with us. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show as we discuss commiserate, rant, rave, cry, all those things after Indiana's 75 to 63 loss to Georgia Tech tonight, uh, ending one of the most disappointing seasons in Indiana history. It's not one of the worst seasons in Indiana history, but just given the expectations and what this team was capable of and then what they actually did, I think it's fair to say that this is one of the more disappointing seasons uh, in Indiana history, certainly in my time as an Indiana fan. It ranks up there among the more disappointing seasons. Uh, so we will do our best now with some final comments to try and put a bow on it uh, or maybe to just say good riddance um, because at this point that seems about as appropriate as anything uh, for this season because we will quickly be thrust into the off season. There's not going to be a nice long layoff for this one. I think this is going to be a busy, at least I hope it's a busy off season, uh, but I guess we'll find out as we move forward. Uh, so with that said, let me go over to Andy Bottoms and get his final thoughts, last call on this Indiana game and Indiana season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like you. I think good riddance is probably in order. I guess the other things that I would close with are, is this, uh, you know, I, and I think I speak for all of us when I say this, I mean, have, uh, it, you know, there are a few things 
maybe nothing from a sports perspective that I love more than IU basketball. Otherwise, I wouldn't be up at 12.15 after a freaking NIT game talking about it. Um, and we wouldn't spend the time that we do on the show and on the emails and, and everything else, of which Jared puts in certainly more time than I do and, and much more time than Ryan does. Um, but <laughs> but Story checks yeah. out. Story checks out. <laughs> everything, everything here is accurate. Good. Um, but no, I mean, I, I guess what I would say is, you know, I, I think we, while we may, you know, that passion for us may manifest itself in doing this show, there are plenty of fans who are just as passionate as we are about it. And I think I speak for all of them when I say that, we're not wrong to expect more than what we've seen. We're not wrong to appreciate what Crane has done. Uh, and at the same time, know and believe that this program is capable of more because the money put into it and all the things surrounding it suggest that that is the expectation. And so I guess as we move into the off season in a way from what, as Jared said, has been one of the more disappointing seasons that I can recall uh, as an IU fan, I won't lose sight of that no matter what the decision is that you know this program is capable of so much uh and it's disappointing the way the season ended it's disappointing the way the excuses have been used it's disappointing to hear the narratives that that some people would say that 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 isn't what iu deserves and that's not what iu is but i at this point refuse to believe that and maybe some years from now in the same way that that Ryan and Jared have come over to my line of thinking about the coaching. Maybe I'll come over to that line of thinking, but I'm not there yet. And I refuse to be yet. And, uh, and I would, would ask that everybody be respectful as we've mentioned many times, but, uh, not give up that belief that, that there's more there to be had. Things can get better. This is not the best that I, you can do. Uh, and, uh, and I guess that's, that's how I would leave it. Hey, by the way, congratulations on another really good year predicting the bracket. I know the the rankings aren't out yet, and so we don't know how it rated among other people. But the numbers I saw, you did a pretty darn good job again. Oh well, I, I appreciate it. The uh, as I tweeted out last night, the Delphi guys you know beat me again. So maybe a scenario where it sounds like Brian's group is going to be hit hard uh, by graduation, maybe in need of leadership that I may or may not be able to provide. Um, but, uh, yeah, it could a be, a, you know, are we looking at a merger? Him, can't beat him. Can't beat him. Join him scenario. Is that, you know, would, so, would, so it, would it be fair? Would, would it be fair to, to categorize Delphi bracketology as the 2012, 2013 Indiana Hoosiers? And they're ready for like, they're ready for a 2014 drop off here. Uh, I am graduation. I'm not going to put that on them. And I'm quite frankly, ashamed that you just did. So, you <laughs> no, uh, you know, I'm just trying to apply a little pressure. Be, hey, be, <laughs> Andy, I'm going to say this, man. I, I, I mean, do you feel like. Uh, you know, sort of that that Billy Donovan, Rick Patino thing, where they have overtaken the master. Is that you? You taught them everything they know, and and yes, you are Rick Patino in this scenario, whatever that entails. Oh so. boy, if that right. means I have to fifteen start wearing, seconds of Andy Bottoms. Go. If that means I had to start, have to start wearing white suits, we're in serious trouble. I've stopped owning white clothes of any kind since I had kids, so that's going to be a big wardrobe change for me if I need to do that. And the fifteen seconds thing was wildly inappropriate, Jared. The second really inappropriate thing that you've said. Assembly call after dark. We've got a new yeah. new format here for these late games. Once it gets Good. past midnight on the East Coast, anything can happen. Good God, do not go back, Ryan. I'm going to warn you. He he may ask you what happened in that bedroom on the night of that Kentucky game next, based on the way this is going. So oh, prepare your answer accordingly. Uh, so we have a request in the chat. Someone actually did ask for Ryan to just spend his entire last call going off about Wisconsin. Said, "What else are we going to do?" So there's that. Um, but perhaps you do have uh, 
a uh, a profound IU opinion to end. Well, this let me with as let well. me just say this to satisfy that uh, really quickly. Ethan Happ travels every time he gets the ball. He shuffles his feet when he gets it. When he that turns also, around, that also checks out. Similar to what I said before, that checks out. Watch the tape. Yep. Thank you. He shuffles his feet. He will uh, take two steps before passing. Uh, you know, like uh, even if he's not, even if he's pivoting, he'll 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 step and shuffle his feet. So keep an eye on that. The the it'll it'll drive you nuts. Um, that's also how important I, to note. We've lost sixteen of eighteen to them, and yes, that needs to change. Uh, so um, yeah, if you're wondering where my sanity's gone, I've been watching Ethan Hap's footwork for way too long, and that is what happened. So. Um, as for my last call in this season, uh, oof, thank goodness it's over. I mean, this was just, this was as taxing and difficult a season as I've had as a sports fan. Um, you know, I mean, it's complete first world problems, but you know, as a sports fan and a guy who does this for a living, uh, watching, analyzing, doing all that stuff. Uh, this is, this is as difficult as it's been for me in a season for any team that I've been a fan of. Um, and remember I'm formerly a fan of the San Diego chargers. So that says a lot. Your team literally moved I, yeah. from your hometown. I mean, and this was more difficult than that because, well, I hate the chargers. So, um, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's, it, it, for all of us, it's kind of a weight lifted off our shoulders that this season is over. And now we're just on to the next thing. What I can say is that I know this fan base and, and the greater part of the fan base that we were talking about earlier and a, a, a rough coaching situation, a bad season, um, a poor group of a poor combination of players. I'm not saying a poor group because that implies they're not good. I just mean that they didn't work together very well on the court. Um, that's not going to break Indiana basketball and that's not going to destroy Indiana basketball. And that's never going to sink Indiana basketball. Um, we've had worse things happen than what happened this season, much worse. And we all remember it because it wasn't that long ago. Um, this is nothing compared to that. We're just disappointed and, and we're disappointed. And we think that this team needs more now. Um, obviously, I don't know. I, I just think that, we as a fan base need to realize that we're all together in this and um, you know, there is a Hoosier family and a Hoosier nation and together we can get through this and, and we need to move into next season, lifting the team up, no matter what the decision is, let's bring this together. Let's, let's demand better. Let's demand, you know, success. Let's demand that our program be treated like an elite program and let's treat our program like an elite program. And, and let's move on and get better from this. All of us, not just the team, but the fan base as well. And, and let's be supportive and, and, and get ready to move to next season. And of course, thank you to everybody for, for listening all year. It was tough to do these. I imagine it was even more difficult to listen, uh, as we were doing this. Uh, so thank you very much for all, all your support. Uh, we, haven't earned it and uh we will never be able to pay you back for it so uh thank you guys very much yeah i think yeah, just to kind of tack onto that you know i think the plan is to continue doing the radio show at least so that'll at least give us a chance to regularly get together and uh and kind of talk about what's next so you know look forward for that uh perhaps uh, certainly less importantly um kudos to jared and i for getting this long without mentioning that uh our boy stan robinson is in the ncaa tournament so you know, we were right all along. Let the That's record right. show. He and, has uh, grown into a into the player that we thought he could be. Yes, I saw his exactly. three point percentage the other day, and I fell out of my chair. Well, which hand is he with, though? I have no idea. <laughs> hey, so, 
some guys just need to change the scenery, you know, and apparently Stan was that guy. I'm happy for him, you know, and we don't know, you know, everybody automatically takes that as like, well, you know, blames it on Crean. We don't know what he would have developed into at Indiana, but some guys just need a change of scenery and good for him. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for all the guys, uh, you know, former Hoosiers who, who made it into the tournaments. Good to see. Yeah, definitely some more than others, though, to be fair. But that's, but yes. that's <laughs> anyway, yes. Anyway, go ahead. Close this out. Take us so, home. I think my video may be not working. Are you guys actually seeing me here? Or is it yeah, not it's working? not. We can hear you, but we can't see you. Okay, so uh, this is a fitting end to the season. As we come down here for the final moments, video is not working. All we've got is audio, and uh, I'm going to keep this short. I was running through all these different things to say and perfect little bows to put on the season, and there there isn't you know we've said all the things that there are to say about the coach i think you all know exactly where we stand about what we believe this program is capable of what the program needs to do next and so i just want to reiterate what reiterate what ryan said uh and just say thank you because uh, once again the reason why we are, are up talking about this at 12 30 eastern eastern time you know ryan's just getting ready for dinner but the rest of us are you know it's late here and it's it's bedtime uh and we do it because we love indiana basketball and we do it because we're so grateful to have an audience uh, like you and to be able to you know to lead this conversation about Indiana basketball um, it's a responsibility that we take really seriously and that we enjoy um, and we look forward to continuing to do it into the off season because this is a pivotal off season and to think that you can just sit back and be an idle bystander I think is wrong from a fan perspective again leadership can come from everywhere and if fans aren't going to hold Indiana basketball and Indiana University accountable for the kind of basketball program we feel we can have then they don't have anybody holding them accountable. And so I think it's up to all of us to make that decision, to follow through on that decision, uh, and to be firm about it. Um, and so when you read all the national narratives telling you that you're being unreasonable, that you're being unfair, that you're being unappreciative, that you're living in the past, pay no attention to them because they don't know. And a lot of times they're working an agenda that has nothing to do with you. A lot of uh, many of the same reasons why this NIT game was moved. And so don't allow yourself to be marginalized because it is Indiana fans that are one of the most important parts about this basketball program. So as Andy said, as Ryan said, let's stick together. Thank you. Uh, this season is over, but now we can just look forward to next season and hopefully it is a much brighter one than this. We will talk. Oh, I think Jared's gone here. Uh, All right. Well, <laughs> fitting a fitting end turnover to uh close us out so uh i will uh i'll attempt oh no he might be back uh, he might be back i don't know let's just kind of talk for a minute so uh we never got to talk about burritos do you want to talk about burritos because we we were talking what? about how any, any anything we wanted to talk about other than uh indiana basketball uh <laughs> and and we came up with on the uh radio show one time burritos because it Burritos made us happy. Uh, Jared clearly attempting to get back in here to close this out, but uh, it is still live. Huh? <laughs> yeah, we, still yeah live. well, we don't have the ability to shut it down. So we might as well. Ryan was going to go into burrito talk, but I do think you did say Ryan probably wants to go get some of the underrated part, just a little bit of you know behind the scenes of the show. There literally is not one show where we don't end. We stop recording. We talk for a couple of minutes, and then Ryan's like, "Man, I got to go get something to eat." Not I, I, one. These games are go right through my dinner hour. They go right through my dinner hour. They all do. What, hey, what that's I, the price I, you pay I, for telling me it's 78 degrees there today. That's true. You're right. No, that's fair. That's fair. I, I've earned this. Uh, but tonight, I got dinner before the game. So I'm good. Okay, Off-season, no, number one, I got to recruit a new computer for the off-season. That's key. Okay. <laughs> hey, yeah, right. I, you, better, you better close this down before something else terrible happens. I know. Seriously, I, I'm stopping know. right now. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks.
Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.